0: This is The Antidote with Dave Akins, where Christian music doesn't suck. Hawkins and this is The Antidote. I always play the music that I love on this program, so how can I pass up the opportunity to interview one of my favorite artists? Josh Goggin is a musical radical and one of the most artistic creators in music. He was frontman for The Chariot, whose music was critically acclaimed and described as something that will melt your face and leave you wanting for more. But when the Chariot finished in 2012, Scoggin didn't slow down. He joined with former, becoming the archetype drummer, Michael McClellan, to form a new two-piece band called 68. Well, Scoggin met with me for a chat about 68 and his time with the Chariot. But before we play the first part of our talk with Josh, here's the song Tongues from the Chariot's final and greatest album, One Wing. Enjoy. is hanging out with Josh scoggin of 68. Josh, awesome to have you with us. Uh, it's good to be here. And we're sharing coffee, which is just a staple of any touring musician. Okay, favorite coffee anywhere?
1: Um, well, uh, we actually played Israel uh, earlier this year, and I don't remember. The, I think the place was actually called Aroma. That was by far, I mean I just ordered coffee I didn't, nothing special, nothing, nothing fancy and it was just, it was, it was amazing um, and then in Australia if you get iced coffee it always tastes uh, just amazing, I, I don't know what they do I think they put a like, little ice cream in it or something I don't know what they do, but it's, it's delicious and it's, uh, it's great, but I'm not that picky so it helps, you know, to get coffee wherever I'm at
0: <laughs> Okay, I gotta ask an apology because years ago I was not a fan of the Chariot but once everybody really gets spending some time listening, that's when I got hooked. Right okay, on. so now you're still cool with talking? Of course, of course. Uh, the Chariot's not for everyone. You know, we didn't write
1: music that was, you know, easy to swallow or whatever, you know, at first glance. So um, I actually hear that quite a bit. We do quite a bit of tours that weren't really our bag, I guess, you know, but we would try to tour as much as we could, and there would be people that see us and not really get it, not be into it. And then, like, two years later, you know, they would come up to us and be like, say really nice things you know they're like oh, I love you guys or whatever like, Thanks. and they be like yeah I actually saw you on this tour and, and I hated it <laughs> or, or they'll be like yeah my older brother loves it but, but I hated it and then you know fast forward two years they love it so I take that as a compliment you know what I mean I, I'm not I like it when it's not spoon fed and you know mass friendly and easy to take you know what I mean I, I feel like that's that, that's for some people but it's not it's not the world that I'm in so
0: what are you missing the time with the chariot 'Cause now it's sixty eight, two piece, that's a bit of a change.
1: Yeah, it definitely is. I, I um obviously I love everything I did with the cherry, but I mean that was ten years of my life and uh, you know, I'm always down for a new adventure, a new journey and uh so you know, I try not to look back, you know, I, I try to appreciate the past but not let it sort of define my future and for me here I am with sixty eight and I'm loving it. I love what I'm doing, I love um you know, I love doing the two-piece and, and uh, you know, just touring as much as we can with this. And, uh, you know, I love what I did with the Chariot, but that was then and this is now. And, I mean, is there some stuff that you miss? Of course, there's, there's pros and cons to every situation, every time period, you know. And uh, so I just try to make the most of where I'm at right now, which is obviously 68, and I'm, I'm loving it. You know, it's a good time for sure.
0: The Chariot was known for their wild live shows and abrupt time signature shifts from the Fiance album, is in Shawnee Well, I hate asking about band names, but titling yourself 68, you left yourself wide open. So, is it the year that grabs you so much? Um, it is the year, but it, it's more,
1: my my father owned a 68 Camaro, and, uh, that, that car was amazing, and uh, my father's passed away now, and that, that car really kind of brought us together in, in ways that, um, any cool old car might, might, might do a father and son, um. And so when I was doing this band and, and trying to name it and stuff, it just kind of kept popping in my head, and I wanted something that was um, easy to identify, and the very first thing I want to do is I wanted, I wanted to travel the world with this. With the chariot, I was, I was fortunate enough to go all over the world, and with this, I wanted to continue that, and uh, I didn't want any language barrier or any, anything like that, so I figured a six and an eight two numbers everyone has that number system you know they may say it differently but you can identify it and so it was just something that kept popping in my head and kept and I like the simplicity of it you know with the chariot it was you know a long uh, you know it's a longer word you know and uh so a 68 is just so small and compact and I just um yeah it's just it's so different than what I was doing that it just kind of kept popping in my head and I was I went
0: with it you know. Well, talking about being different, when you and I were walking down the street here to grab a coffee, and I was saying how I don't really fit the profile of a rocker viewer. And I said, you know, you don't really fit the profile of the type of music that you sing. You gotta admit, you've got you got the plaid shirt, you don't see the tattoos, you're all mellow when you come out on stage, you just got the guitar hanging around you. you ever find that's a bit of a dichotomy?
1: Um, I don't know, I, I just... I try not to put on a facade, you know what I mean? I just try to be who I am, and that makes my life a lot easier, like mentally, because I don't have to be a character or anything. And I know a lot of people that are genuine, but there's also a lot of people that are characters, you know what I mean? And you hang out with them, and they're like, oh, this is the most easygoing guy, nicest guy. But on stage, they're uh, something totally different and teaches on, you know, I'm not knocking that. But for me... Uh, dichotomy or not I, I, it's just easier for me to just be who I am and then if people are into it cool if they're not that's cool but I don't have to like flip a switch you know when I'm oh I'm now I'm in public oh now I'm hanging out with my friends like it's all just who I am and wherever that falls in the line it's like that's fine with me you know what I mean if it fits then it fits if it doesn't it doesn't that's fine but the music I write and the, the stuff that I like I mean it's stuff that's also genuinely just a passion of mine you know and, and so I don't have to fake that either um So it's quite nice, you know I, know. I know a handful of people, and some of them are definitely characters, and they have to, you know, they flip it on depending on where we're at, and that just seems stressful to me, so. <laughs> oh my god,
2: on the show! I've sung every story I know, and if you know what it meant to me that you came along and didn't disagree.
0: to a two-piece i thought that would have raised your stress levels tremendously because you've got Mm -hmm. you josh on vocals guitar Mm -hmm. michael on the kit and i would have thought with not having that support of a band like Mm -hmm. when you were with the chariot Mm -hmm. that that would have raised your stress level
1: it definitely does it does and it doesn't when it when it all works and everything it's it's uh it's quite nice you know, I just sang in the chariot, so I, I didn't have to worry about anything. I just grabbed my mic and went. But with this, you know, I got pedals. Um, I'm playing guitar and everything else. So I guess technically, by definition, yes, there's a lot more stress involved. But I'm, but I write a little bit stressful music, so I feel like it fits okay and it goes with it. You know, the the music um, with the chariot is obviously pretty stressful, but with with sixty eight, it's it's even got a little bit of that tension and a little bit of the like push and pull. So it's okay for me. You know what I mean? I, 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 obviously there's shows that don't go as planned, which that's fine. You know, we, we try to build a show. We don't have set lists. We don't have, we just kind of make it up as we go. And, and, um, you know, we, we pick the songs right there in the moment. And sometimes, sometimes when it works, you couldn't convince someone that it wasn't planned out, you know, with a, with a, with a set list and and we've practiced it a hundred times. But there's sometimes where it's like a train wreck, you know, and, and 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 we just aren't feeding each other, we aren't reading each other, right, you know. and um, But I think both are fun to watch, and at least people who, like, have known me for a minute or known the idea of what I'm doing, I think it's... You can remember that we are humans playing human music, you know, and that, to me, is what it's all about. Like, we don't hit a space bar and then just phone it in the rest of the way. We we play music, and, and uh, so even when there's days where it's a train wreck, I think people... Um, people still say really nice things at those shows and 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 I think it's because they just you know genuinely enjoy watching a guy like I mean we've stopped songs before and been like whoa we we weren't playing the same song you know um because sometimes when it works it's just a, a glimpse of an eye or a, or a hand motion or something where and we just go into the next song and it fits perfectly and then sometimes you know like i said we'll go in something different but At least people know that it's genuine and we're actually playing what we're playing. You know, it's not all, like, from a computer and perfectly every night. Because bands, they've been doing it for years and teaches on, but they practice a set at their house, you know, and for the next month they play that exact same set. Every single variable that can be different is different. you got a different city. It's a weekend or a weekday. you got different people. You know, everything that can be different is different except the set seems to be the same every single night same joke same thing same and so that's fine that 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 is kind of a comfort i guess but for me it's like i would rather catch the vibe and, and let the show create itself um and again sometimes it's a very magical moment when we do it right and we feel it and it's there sometimes it's not but at least it's their own show like if we're playing chicago it's like hey you just had your own thing that you created, we created, and we did it together. It wasn't the same exact you know, cookie-cutter thing from yesterday and the day before and up in Canada and down here. Um, so I think people kind of appreciate that, whether they can put their finger on it or not. I think they're along for the ride. Um, and like I said, we, we've had more good shows than bad shows, so,
0: so far so good. <laughs> Effectively, it's like watching the Ultimate Jam Session.
2: <laughs>
1: yeah, sometimes. I mean, it, it's... Uh, like this summer we did warp tour and it was you know we had 30 minutes we got to get on get off you know so we try to we try to keep it pretty clean and tight you know whatever we do and then with this you know we can kind of do what we want to do and crowds vibing and we're vibing and it's all going i mean we'll we'll jam out for a while you know and something you know and like we'll clock it in later and be like wow we just played that song for nine minutes (laughs) but it felt right you know
0: Something I've noticed, seeing you live, it's almost like 68, the music bridges between chaos and art. Is there a defining line between those two? I don't think so, you know? I mean,
1: I think there's a little chaos in everything, and I I think art needs to be chaotic. I like pictures of roses and paintings and this and the other, but at the end of the day, it's like I, I like chaos and something that, again, sort of defines life and defines sort of where you're at and what you do and um, for me, it's there's no distinction. I'm just creating art, and sometimes it feels very, very smooth, and everything's even with the music I write. Sometimes it it feels good. There's a, a harmony going on, or whatever. But then sometimes yeah, I want that tension. I want it to feel uneasy, you know, and stressful, and and uh, and I think you know, as I create art, sometimes it's one way, sometimes another way, but together it makes something that you know. I think as far as I can relate to, you know what I mean? I I can relate to the beauty and the stress, you know, because that's the way life is to me, you know?
0: The Chariot finished up, 68 started, but you really put the recording and the writing of Inhumor and Sadness on the fast track. What was the rush?
1: Well, I didn't want to overthink it. Uh, I knew that it was going to be, mentally, it was going to be a real challenge for me because part of me doesn't want to do the chariot part two and then part of me doesn't want to do a pop band and then part of me doesn't, you know, and and so I think if I had, you know, six months to ride or something like that, I think it would have mentally, I don't know if I could have handled it and, uh, and I'm, I'm pretty wise in, in what I can and can't handle. And so I I I need I, I literally wrote almost all of it in about a week, week and a half um, because whatever I was impulsively wanting to hear and wanting to, to throw down is a blank slate you know what i mean i wasn't writing a a chariot record um i was writing a brand new thing so so it was a blank slate and i didn't want to have time to overthink it you know i was just i threw songs down i I built a little studio in in the studio that i i record at matt goldman's i i I took one of the rooms and i just made it my own little sort of studio-ish thing and as i'd come up with ideas i would just record it right then and there record them start building songs from there and and if I liked it I kept it if I didn't like it I would delete it I mean it was a very forward moving train one way I never looked back I never you know was like well maybe this was cool because I couldn't handle that you know and and like I said the mental wherewithal of of what do I do do I do something heavy I can't be too heavy I don't want to be the cherry part two I don't want to do I don't want to be pop I don't want to, you know so I just wrote and I just created and I just recorded and at the end of the day I, I think I had about I don't know 11 or 12 songs, and I, I took them in to Matt Goldman, who records all of our records uh, in the Chariot in and, and 68, um, and I said, here they are, and we, we picked the 10 best and went with those, and it was a very um, impulsive and very uh, spontaneous. I didn't give myself time to to think on it and be like, well, people are going to ah, oh, the label's going to want, like, this is just me and what I wanted to hear at that time, And and so some of the parts I think you can hear the chariot in, you know, and then some of the parts could be translated into like a pop song, and then that's fine. You know what I mean? It's uh, I didn't want too many boundaries. I, I didn't want too many things. I just wanted to throw it all down there very impulsively. And at the end of the day, it's a record that I, you know, I'm very proud of, and I, and I enjoy greatly. And now I think I have the path of what 68 sounds like and what, where we're going. And uh, and it's a it's a great record for me because it it, it really opened the door. I, I could write a couple songs that are more rock, kind of bluesy, black keys-ish, and, and I think it, nobody would be like, ah, oh, that's that's weird. And I could also write a couple songs that are very the Chariot-esque, you know. And I don't think people would be, I don't think it would, I don't think it would like alienate anybody because I think it fits in what we're doing, you know. So.
0: And that means we can also look forward to your pop album.
1: <laughs> exactly. <laughs> when I, as soon as I sell out and start making money. <laughs> Hello, my name is Josh Goggin with 68. You're listening to The Antidote with Dave Hawkins. And I can understand your hesitation, but you can't understand mine.
2: And I'm hoping you hear me, because I know you are blind. Take your crown away Is that all that makes you
0: You're talking a little bit about the song development, and Mm-mm. I found the lyrics on "In Humor and Sadness" really seem to bounce between positive and negative thoughts. Was there a specific message you were trying to give on the recording? Um, not
1: not it wasn't a pre-planned message or anything. Again, it was very impulsive, just like the writing. The lyrics were very quick, you know, very impulsive, and didn't want to spend too much time like overthinking stuff, but in humor and sadness even the title of it is it's life you know i think with life again you can't avoid the bad things and i think trying to avoid them might be unhealthy at least for me it seems to be unhealthy and so in humor and sadness it's kind of like you know that that is life sometimes it's a, a blast and hilarious and sometimes it's very very deep and dark and and um I think it's finding beauty in both, you know what I mean? Obviously, when you're when everything's going well, it's easy, but finding uh, an adventure in the struggle or, or the making the journey... I don't think life should be, like, an end goal, you know? I think it should be a, a journey that you enjoy. It's like a road trip, it's not a vacation, you know? And um, I think when you're able to get that, I think it makes for a healthier situation. And so as the lyrics came out, I was able to play on that a little bit you know the humor part of it the sadness part of it and uh and so I think it came out as you said but it wasn't necessarily a pre-planned thing of like oh I want to make sure I have you know the black and the white I want to have the dark the light I want to have the you know the up and the down I I just I just was able to do both you know and and able to go in there because I knew what I wanted to call the CD um early on so I think it all kind of like meshed naturally and kind of came out very uh very naturally
2: The future has seen better
0: So the songs came out naturally, the title was easy, but naming the songs themselves, that was a struggle, because they were numbered, and then you added a letter for each one.
1: Yeah, well, that's that's me living in the wrong generation, I think. The technology sort of got the best of me, so I wanted to have no titles. I just wanted it to be nothing. Nothing. Not even. Not even track one, track two. I just wanted it to be nothing, and then people would probably, obviously, call them track one, track two, whatever. But I didn't want to have any art that represented anything, uh, and that was what I was doing. I was st- sticking to it. I, I, I quite often get into it with my labels and my quote-unquote people, but you know, I'm, I'm, I'm like, oh, this is what I want to do. You know, I'm the artist. Let me, let me do this, and then usually we find a, a, a way to do it. So I was like, this is what I'm doing, and they were literally like, we can't do that this isn't the day and age of just, like, a vinyl and a CD. This is the day and age where, like, literally, like, iTunes, like, I don't know who that is, Apple, or whoever hit our label up and was like, we we just can't do it. And, uh, I mean, it's a way longer conversation, but basically they were like, we have to have something on there. So I was like, we'll just do track one, track two, track whatever, and then they got into another weirdness with even just that because it's so undefined that they couldn't i mean literally stuff as simple as like sending the payment to the right person and the, and the making sure the label it is just a mess and so technology just kind of like snuck up on me and and uh, and i kind of had to like keep backtracking and so at the end of the day i was like here track one here's one letter track two here's another letter track three here's another letter and uh, so they were happy and i was happy and Regret not, which is what it spells out, is something that I, again, genuinely believe in. It's, it's a thought process. I, I think a lot of people live their life uh, out of fear of failure. People are very afraid of failing, and I welcome the idea of it because I'm like, if I can try something and fail, that's fine. At least I tried, but if I don't try it, that's regret. Like, what if I would have done it? What if I would have succeeded? What if I would have Whatever. And I think so many people live out of this, like, fear of of failure, and uh, it's a very unhealthy way to live, in my humble opinion, but having regret is something that will stay with you forever and ever. Uh, Until the day you die, you'll be thinking, man, what if I would have tried that, or what if I would have tried to to do this new band, or what if I would have tried to to take this vacation, I don't know, whatever it is, you know, and so... So my life, uh, I, I'm not trying to preach to anyone else, but for me in my life, it's like regret is a real thing that I, I try to avoid, if at all possible. Uh, fear of failing is, is something I don't really care about much because um, if you can go about trying stuff, if you do fail, it's like, well, now you know, and let's move on to that next thing. But, you know, that's that gives you the liberty to succeed in these, in these other areas that you'd have never even, you'd have never tried, you know what I mean? And, and so... So regret not was very important to me, and, and, and so at the end of the day, I'm happy that I got to name the songs that, but it definitely, you know, it, as an artist, it's hard when you, you know, have an idea or have a plan, and then you feel like you're kind of watering it down for uh, technology, you know. Sometimes that can be hard to, <laughs> to swallow, but at the end of the day, I'm happy with where we're at and where it, what, what came out of it, you know.
2: I can see that it won't last Idle hands The devil's cup How would it wake you if you wouldn't leave? Nostalgia will not kill my best of me I'm figuring out how to get shame on me Let's keep it cool,
0: that's not
2: complicated I haven't really lost my innocence, but she quickly.
0: Well, as I mentioned earlier in the interview, the music of Josh Scoggin may not suit everybody's taste, but to really discover the music of 68, you've got to see the band live and you'll get a chance as Scoggin and 68 are going to come through Southern Ontario for a series of nights in December. Go to a show. You're going to love it. Next week, we meet with a band who've never had a live show because the punk band The Old Timers members live in Scotland, the States, and South Africa. Donovan Denecker from The Old Timers joins the antidote for a talk about their music and their amazing new twin EPs. Well, here comes the last of our talk with 68's Josh Goggin and a pair of songs, track 5 and 10. We'll see you next week. So Josh, your music started with Norma Jean, went on to the Chariot, 68 is the third step. What's going to be step 10 in 30 years? <laughs>
1: uh, I don't know. Stand-up comedy juggling act. I don't know. Who, who knows, man? I'm just trying to live today and, you know, play show tonight. You know, I, I try not to uh, have goals or plans or thoughts, you know, ahead of time. I just try to, like, hang out. And I'm, I'm on this train as long as it'll carry me. And people seem to be digging it and into it, so I love playing music. You know, with the chariot, it, it wrapped up very naturally. It wasn't like we have to part ways. I mean, we were at, had the best year we'd ever had as a band,
0: and uh, so. And you did your best album.
1: Well, thank you. That's very nice. I, I I don't disagree. I, I uh, it was one of my favorite albums, and the way it ends is it just. I mean, that was definitely something we talked about. It was like, man, I couldn't I couldn't plan a farewell album if if I tried. That that fit what I you know thought should fit. Uh, yeah that was worded weird but basically the the way that one wing ends is like wow this even feels like the last record even though we didn't write it as that you know and it's like if we try to write another record i'll be trying to plan how to end it you know and like this is already ending perfectly so let's just go with that you know so uh all that to say you know who knows what, what the future holds but i i definitely am i'm enjoying this and uh michael my drummer i mean we're we're going around the world, hanging out with new people and and seeing new cultures, new things that I I didn't even get to see with the Chariot, and so it's very, um, I'm very grateful to have been doing it for so long and to still be here, uh, you know, with people
0: who seem to care a little bit, you know, so it's quite nice. So when everybody goes for a hunt for your music online, instead of going and finding uh, pictures of 68 Camaros, how do they find the band 68? Um, I think
1: an apostrophe in 68, I think will give you a result, but I know like on Spotify, iTunes, Apple music, all that stuff, uh, it will pop up. Oddly enough, 68 is a pretty, uh, common number, but, uh, (laughs) but, uh, I, I think if you look hard enough, you'll find it or just buy it from us at a live show. There you go. That
0: there's no confusion. (laughs) Josh Goggins has been meeting with The Antidote here at the best venue on the planet, Tim Hortons. Thanks, man, for sharing. Thank you so much.